The Christmas spirit was thick as ever in the small town of Chickaluke during the winter of 1920. The privileged children galloped through the streets, peering into the storefronts, exclaiming to the heavens their request for Old St. Nick. The mill workers' kids weren't foolish enough to get their hopes up, but they were quite content striking their hoop with a stick and letting a sliver of whorehound rot a hole in their jaw. There was a strong class divide in Chickaluke, but the little ones weren't quite as snobbish and judgmental as their elders. As it always goes, they must first be taught to look down on their fellow man. Much like most small towns in the American South, Chickaluke was glued together by the factory. If you asked people to define the word textile, many of them would stare at you blankly, but they were happy for the work all the same. It was Christmas Eve and everyone in Chickaluke was preparing for the festivities. Along with personal family traditions, there was also a holiday festival held in the town square. The storefronts glistened with red and green paints that had been stenciled in love by Miss Mary Wilkinson. Miss Mary was the librarian in town and a finer woman you would be hard-pressed to find. She barely had two pennies to rub together, but when the library fund ran dry, she spent what little she had on making sure there were plenty of books for the children to read. I swear to God, I'm the only one who takes care of anything around here. I'm going to call these fat bastards down at City Hall and give them a piece of my mind. Yep, hello, this City Hall. Uh, yeah, is this Ernest? This is Miss Mary Wilkinson down at the library. Oh, hey, Miss Mary, how are you? A Merry Christmas to you, Miss Mary. How can I help you today? Oh, don't you give me that fake Merry Christmas voice, Ernest. Damn it, you know why I'm calling. I'm calling to say once again, like I do every year, that it sure would be nice if y'all cared more about our children's education than you did about getting new souped-up cop cars. Now, I ain't saying we don't need no law around here, but I'm pretty sure you don't need a brand-new Ford to haul in the town drunks once a week. Oh, now come on, Miss Mary. You and I both know that our brave men in uniform do quite a bit more than just hauling in the town drunks once a week. Oh, yes, I apologize. I forgot that you also spend a fair amount of time harassing all the poor folk hanging out back of the meeting three just trying to get their hands on some scraps they're throwing out. Yeah, y'all covered up down there. <sighs> Miss Mary... What can I do for you? Ernest, if I thought there was something you could do for me, I'd be tickled pink. I just wanted to call and let you know that since our local government fails time and time again to properly allocate its funds to stuff that actually matters, I will once again be dipping into my lipstick budget to make sure the mill workers' kids can have something to read on their Christmas break. Thanks for nothing, and I hope Santa Claus brings you a sack full of wet doo-doo this year, you good-for-nothing pot-bellied horse's ass. Goodbye, Miss Wilkinson. You have a Merry Christmas. Okay, Ernest, you too, honey. And please tell your wife, Sally, I said hello, and I'll see her tonight at the cake auction. Look, I, I said that Miss Mary was a good person. I didn't say she was always nice. Bob Hatcher worked down at the factory as an assistant to the head of the company, Mr. Atticus Miser. Bob was good at his job, but to him it was just a means of providing for his family, a family he never wanted to be away from for too long. This type of behavior was a thorn in the side of Mr. Miser, who couldn't conceive of putting anything before business. Lord, it is cold as kraut out there. I'm here. I'm here, Mr. Miser. Uh, ready for work. Can't wait. How are you today? Merry Christmas, sir. Oh, Christmas this and Christmas that. It's bull hockey. 
every last bit of it, and you and everyone in this town should get down on your knees every night and thank God that I don't give a rat's hind end about Christmas or getting in the spirit. No, I care about work and the bottom line. I care about keeping this factory operational and making sure its fires stay burning. Perhaps if the lot of you cared more about what matters, you'd be in my position instead of yours, standing at the edge of the table like a dog, hoping for any crumbs that blow off the edge. <laughs> Bob, I hope you don't let Uncle Atticus's uh, uh, temperament uh, ruin your spirit. Now, come on, Uncle. Well, hey, Johnny, how are you? I, I didn't know you was coming in today. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Bob. How's the kids? Oh, God, Johnny, they're they're wonderful. They're just the lights of my life. I'll tell you what, they're growing like weeds, too. I don't know if I can keep up with them. I turn around, they're an inch taller. I know it. Uh, little Billy, uh-huh. of course, you know, we've had some trouble. Yeah, what with him as of late? It was his leg, wasn't it? What was it wrong with his leg? It got caught in a raccoon trap. Chee-wee, that ain't it. No, luckily we were able to, you know, get to it before the gangrene set in, but doctors say that if we can't pay for this special brace, it's going to grow back wrong and he won't be able to walk properly. Are you done with your sob story, Hatcher? Any other pitiful affairs I need to be made aware of before we get down to business? Well, just one thing, sir. I, I noticed a scheduling mistake on the company calendar. It says that we're coming in tomorrow. And? And? What's the mistake? Sir, it's Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas. Well, it's not my fault Jesus was born on a Wednesday this year. Wednesday is a day of the week, and last I checked, that's when we work. But, but sir, Miss Hatcher has been working all day already for tomorrow's supper. We're... We're having all of our family over, and I told the kids, I told little Billy I'd be there. We were we were going to ride sleighs and make snow possums. Bull hockey. Wait, what's a snow possum? Well, we don't really get enough snow down here to make snowmen, so we just make tinier snow possums. It's stupid. You got that right, Hatcher. It is stupid. You can tell your family that you will not be there, and they should be happy you aren't. You'll be doing something far more important, helping me maximize the profits of this company, all while making the same measly salary regardless of your hand and its growth. Damn, Uncle's saying the quiet part out loud. No, he's right. I'm thankful for the work. I'll be here bright and early tomorrow on Christmas. this and Christmas that and bull hockey every last bit of it. Hello, sir. Thank you so much. I'm sorry it's cold out here. I apologize for shouting. What do you want? Um, Well, sir, I'm not sure if you are aware, but it is Christmas and that is generally a time for uh, giving and charity and just, you know, being a blessing and all that. So me and the other members of the Chickalooky chapter of the Kiwanis Club, we was going around and collecting money for those less fortunate this year so that they may have toys for their children or perhaps help with their light bills and Lord willing, uh, a ham. Bull hockey! Oh, yes, sir. That is a great idea. Some of the children would love to play hockey, but are in dire need of skates and sticks and 
vitamins. That sounds like their parents' problem. Uh, yes. Um, okay, what does my script say to say if he mentions parents? Spit it out! Uh, um, yes. You see, lots of folks aren't as lucky as us. They, they have fallen on hard times, and we believe that no matter the situation, it's not the children's fault, and they deserve a Merry Christmas. Well, why don't their parents get a job? Well, some of them do have a job, but it's at your factory, and they don't make enough money. Pardon me! Oh, nothing. Nothing at all, sir. So, can we count you down for a donation? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep paying my taxes like I always do. My taxes alone single-handedly take care of the welfare of this entire county. If the bums can't live off that, then they can starve to death. Lord knows this town could stand to be a little less crowded. <gasps> Sir! Pardon my French, but you are a butthead. Bull hockey! I don't know what that means. Atticus Miser was enraged at the sheer notion of charity. How people could even think of helping the wretched poors baffled him to no end. As he passed the storefronts in Chickaloochee with their windows all frosted in Christmas cheer, he felt his blood pressure rise and he huffed and puffed and stomped angrily all the way to his house. Upon entering the parlor, he felt a sudden chill run up his spine that nearly knocked him to the ground. It was then that he noticed a face in the clock on his wall. Ah! What in tarnation? Atticus. Atticus. Don't you recognize me, Atticus? Uh, no, I can't say that I do. Oh, Atticus. After all we have been through together, I never expected you to forget me. All the deals that we made... The land that we stole, the necks that we stepped on together, one foot at a time. Tis a pity, Atticus, for I am condemned to remember you for all eternity. Uh, Harley? Harley, is that you? And so it was. Harley Jacobson had been Atticus Miser's business partner for all of their adult lives. Atticus may have been the one associated with all the company's dealings, but behind the scenes, Harley had his crooked paws in every tiller in town. The factory was the face of their operation, but the real money came from their backdoor money lending. Their fathers had made a fortune during Reconstruction doling out high-percentage home loans knowing the poor farmers would default. In the ashes of their misery and with the death of their fathers, Harley and Atticus ascended as slumlords to all of Chickalookie. But, but you're dead. As a doornail, my boy. All right, no, absolutely not. This ain't happening. I must have taken too much of that heroin syrup the doctor gave me for my cold. Or, no, 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 I know what it is. I hear different foods can give you crazy dreams. I had biscuits and gravy this morning. I knew that sausage was too spicy. That's all you are. You ain't a ghost. You're gravy. Atticus, why do you feel you must scream at all times? What? I'm not screaming. I'm just... <sighs> nope, you're right. I do that from time... Well, hey, while we're talking about voices, why do you sound like that? That ain't how you talk. Oh, well, I just thought it sounded more foreboding. Well, no argument here. Atticus, I come to you on this the eve of Christmas so that you may be spared my fate. I went to the grave a sinister man devoid of morality and 
reeking with the stench of greed. <laughs> well, buddy, that ain't all you smelled like. Let me tell you what. Atticus, please, for once in your wretched existence, will you recognize the gravity of your situation? I am trying to save your miserable life. All right, hell, go on. Tonight you will be visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Through a whimsical yet rather morose montage, they will show you the errors of your ways along with the consequences for which you will pay the ultimate price. The first spirit shall greet you when the clock strikes twelve. Uh, okay. All right, so Harley, and please forgive my ignorance, but do y'all offer some sort of uh, express package? You know, get them all at once, uh, three for one, that type of deal? Oh, um, yes, actually, I I believe we could work something like that out. Really? Huh. I didn't think that would work. Well, uh, now that you mention it, no one has asked, um, but we are... Ghosts and are making this up as we go. So, yes, I do believe we have a spirit who is up to the task of filling all three roles. And as quickly as he had appeared, Harley Jacobson disappeared like a vapor out of the cracked window in Atticus's parlor. Frightened, but still feeling as though he had been imagining things, Atticus climbed the spiral staircase to his bed and crawled under the blankets dressed head to toe in his full striped pajamas and silk night cap. In what to him felt like the blinking of an eye, he was stirred awake by a large gust of wind shattering his bedroom window. Ah, ah, what's that? Who goes there? Show yourself, now! Right before his eyes, the spirit appeared, translucent and glowing as you would imagine a ghost, but dressed neatly in a suit jacket and tie, a briefcase in one hand, and a bowler hat in the other. Oh, well, well hey there, fella. No, no reason to be alarmed. I thought you knew I was coming. I'm the uh, specialist ghost old Harley was telling you about, sent here to take you on a tour of all your follies, past, present, and future. Uh, my name's George. How are you? Well, I'll be damned. It was real. Uh, uh, how's that? Oh, sorry, I don't hear so well out of this ear, fella. So when did you die? Oh, well, that's actually a, that's a bit of a loaded question. Uh, in your world, I, I haven't even died yet, but as, a, as an official uh, Christmas spirit, I operate outside of time and space, and with, well, with all that being said, there's no time like the present, so away we go. George grabbed Atticus by the shirt collar and they began spinning through all of his memories. He saw himself as a baby taking his first steps. He saw himself as a toddler taking a bite of his first apple, then as a first grader receiving his first lashing for neglecting to feed his daddy's horse. A whirlwind of emotion overtook him and he was beginning to feel squeamish before they finally touched down to earth, landing gingerly on a hay bale in a barn Atticus immediately recognized. Ugh. Oh my God. Well, this is the annual Chickalooky Fall Festival. Well, there's old man Rocky Matthews cutting a jig right there. Well, you know he's six, six cups deep into his homebrew, I guarantee it. And there, and there's me. Well, I must be... 17 years old. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, spirit, take me away from here. Not this one. Oh, well, I can't do that. Things are just now getting good. Say, Atticus, uh, who's the girl there? Oh, you know who it is, spirit. Quit messing with me. That's why you brought me here in the first place. Atticus, come down. That's Mary Wilkinson. I'm over here. She was the love of my life. Behind the bar. Once upon a time, that is. I'll take my panties 
But no, I had bigger fish to fry. I'll give you some of that steak. Uh, she wanted me to I'm remain that wide-eyed romantic I was as a boy, but it was time to grow up, spirit. I'm sweating. It was time to start focusing on the important things in life. Ooh, we I'm hot. Or what I thought the important things in life were. Come on, hurry. Investments. I ain't gonna be here all day. Capital gain. I'm getting dry now. We were engaged to be married, but that night I left her all by herself to go with Harley. Where the hell he told me he could get me in on the ground floor of the new factory and... Hey! Well, I never looked back. I'm gonna fuck all your friends! Boy, she's a mouthy gal. She's a pistol, George. Ain't no doubt about it. Well, friend, as much as I detest raining on people's parades, I'm afraid we must continue on in this journey of your profound humiliation. Uh, grab onto my coat sleeve once more, fella. Uh, if this next part don't wreck your insides, then I'm afraid you're what we in the spirit business call a lost cause. Word to the wise. That's not a good thing to be. The two world once more, but forward in time this go-round. Atticus Miser's entire life was flashing before him all at once. He couldn't explain it if he tried, but he was living every era of his existence simultaneously. He saw Mary running away crying, and beside her he saw his mother on her deathbed. He saw himself walking out of her room before she passed because he'd heard of a foreclosure in town that he wanted a piece of, and he thought he'd make it back in time. He did not. He saw himself and Harley popping a bottle of champagne the day they made their first million. Now, not only could he see, but he could feel an emptiness like a cavern, as if the depths of the ocean could be contained within his soul. If he was not happy on this day, was he ever? Had he been so busy going from deal to deal that he hadn't stopped long enough to realize that it made him feel nothing? Perhaps he had not known that's what emptiness felt like. It had been so long since he tried to feel. He had shut himself off from the world because being cold and callous was the proven formula for success. But in that moment, Atticus Miser felt everything but success. Seeing Mary again had pricked a hole in his heart and opened a floodgate of misery. But for some reason, the misery felt like a relief compared to his prior numbness. All right, here we are. Were we at a shack? Are we? What is this shack, spirit? Is this part of my punishment to live the rest of my days in squalor? Well, I'll tell you, that will be nothing compared to what I've just been through. You, you know, you see, that, that's your problem there, Mr. Miser. You, you think this is punishment, and I suppose it'll keep feeling like that if you choose to look at it this way, but no, sir, this is a path to redemption if you'll get your head out of your keister for a cotton-picking second, and this shack as you call it, well, that's uh, that's all a man can afford when he's the right-hand man of a penny-pinching old magpie like yourself. You mean... Yes, sir. This is Bob Hatcher's house. He's just gotten home from work, and he's broken the news to the kids. Well, it's okay, Diddy. There will be plenty of Christmas time when you get off. <laughs> Thank you, little Billy. I really appreciate that, but I, I promise I'm going to make it up to you and, and, and all of you, and your mama as well. I just don't understand him. You bust your hump day in and day out for that wretched old codger and he can't even give you Christmas off? 
Just because he ain't got no one that loves him don't mean he should ruin the day for people who do. Maybe not in front of the kids. It's yes, Christmas. in front of yes, in front of the kids. They'll learn soon enough what a miserable old coot that man is. May as well know early so maybe they can get out of this town one day and live somewhere you don't have to crawl to him for a speck of bread. Oh Lord Jesus help us all. Mama, Daddy, my foot hurts. I ain't no doctor or nothing but a but I think it's growing back wrong. Listen, Billy, I promise you, I'm going to get you that brace, son. Okay? And I don't know what I have to do, but next year we're going to have a bigger turkey on the table and there's going to be a bunch of presents under that tree. Okay? I'm going to make sure that this family is provided for, and I don't know what I'm going to have to do. I don't know what I'm going to have to sell. I don't know if anybody would want my organs, but if they will, I'll give them to them. Because y'all are all I care about. And I wish... I wish so bad that I didn't have to crawl to Mr. Miser, but that's just the way it is. And I'm too old to do anything else now, so right now I'm just going to do what I got to do. But I just need y'all to love me, okay? Baby, do you believe me? Yes, honey, yes. You just calm yourself down. I know your emotions are extra fragile this time of year, but yes, honey, I believe you. We'll be here for you. We support you. Hey, Daddy. Yes, little Billy. God's gonna bless this family. Ever last one of them. Well, you see there, Mr. Miser? Even though Bob Hatcher seems like he's at the end of his rope, he, he still couldn't bring himself to say a bad thing about you. Whereas a man like you, with all the blessings in the world, why, why I'd bet a kind word hasn't passed through your lips since Rutherford B. Hayes was in office. <laughs> Boy, you talk about an unmemorable presidency. Well, yeah, but he was surprisingly progressive when it came to the Chinese. Hey, hey, wait, don't change the subject now, Mr. Miser. Well, look, if you're trying to make me feel like a horse's ass, you're succeeding, George. But at the same time, you heard it yourself. If you want money, land, or anything in this town, you, you gotta come to me. That's gotta count for something. Why, surely there's plenty of people in this town who appreciate me. Boy, you are not gonna like this next part, Mr. Miser. What do you mean? Where are we going? Oh, uh, let's just say that where we're going, we don't need roads. What the hell does that mean? Oh, that's right. You wouldn't get that reference. Uh, but your grandkids are gonna love it. George grabbed Atticus and they apparated so fast that he passed smooth out. When he came to, he was in the Chickaluki Cemetery where two gravediggers were conversing while tossing the final clumps of dirt in their latest plot. Boy, I tell you what, it's about time that old SOB kicked the bucket. Hell yeah, Bo Long, oh, do you ask me? Hell, did you hear that no one even went to his funeral? Are you serious? Serious as a sick fart. I tell you what, not a soul, brother. Well, there was one woman way in the back wearing a long black veil, but if I had to guess, she was just there to make sure he was really gone. You feel me? Oh, yeah, I feel you. You know, I tell you what, I try not to speak ill of the dead. Well, that ain't true. We do it all the time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but just last week, you was making fun of that feller what fell out of his casket. Oh, well, I'm just saying, if you build a coffin out of old wood, I don't know what you expect to happen. But anyways, I truly believe the world is a better place today with him gone. We, you know what? We ought to keep a candle burning on his grave at all times so that everyone he's ever screwed over can see it at night when they come to piss on it. Atticus was taken back by this. Boy, they sure hate this feller. Let me tell you what, George. You, you might want to pay attention, Mr. Miser. All right, that should do it. 
So long, Mr. Miser. I hope the devil raises your rent every month for no damn reason. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God, George, is this... Is this the future truly to come or just the future that could be? Oh, my God, George, take me back. Take me back now. I, I promise. I promise I'll keep Christmas in my heart all year long. I promise I'll, I'll right every wrong. I'll, I'll no longer put profit over the people. I'll, I'll give to charity hell. I'll start a charity. And by God, little Billy, he's going to get that brace. That boy will walk again. Oh, spirit, take me back. For the first time in what felt like an eternity, Atticus Miser woke up in his own bed. Oh my God! Was it a dream? Was it all a dream? Atticus then rolled over to notice something rather peculiar on his end table. A briefcase and a bowler hat. Hot dog, it was real! Oh, Georgie SOB! Quicker than he'd ever done anything in his life, Mr. Miser jumped up and opened the briefcase. Inside was a note. Dear Mr. Miser, it's never too late. Your friend, George. By God, he's right! He's right! It ain't too late for me! Dancing and galloping on air, Atticus ran to the window and threw it open. You there, boy! Who, me? Yeah, you! Okay. What day is it? Well, it's... Christmas Day, sir. By God, George, you clever SOB. You did it all in one night. Say, say, boy, you want to do me a favor? Run down to the butcher and get me the biggest ass turkey they have. You tell them send it to Bob Hatcher's house, but don't let them know it was me, all right? I don't know how much a turkey is, but here's a $50 bill. You keep the change now. Merry Christmas. A $50 bill? Is that enough, young man? Mister, it's 1920. You could buy the butcher. <laughs> Run along, young man. Merry Christmas to you. Mr. Miser hurried down the stairs. As far as he was concerned, this was the first day of the rest of his life, and he wanted to get it started as soon as possible. Well, hello there, friend. What do you say? What do you know? <gasps> oh, God, please, sir, don't hurt me. Hurt you? I want to help you. Uh, well, what was it you saying yesterday about the kids needing sticks and yeah. food and ham, I believe ham. it was? Well, whatever they need, consider it done. Whatever uh, you need to be fully funded, here's a check. Sir. Take it. Write down whatever you want. Uh, I don't care. You don't even have to tell me. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Well, Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Thank you so much. Kids, did you hear that? You don't have to put cardboard in your shoes this year. Oh, and uh, while I got you, is Miss Mary Wilkinson a member of that Kiwanis Club? Why, yes, sir. She sits on the board and rules with an iron fist. Will you tell her to expect a visit from Mr. Miser? Once we've bought every single book the kids could ever want, I'm going to take her out to dinner. Well, good luck with that, sir. There was one last thing that Mr. Miser had to do on this fine Christmas morning, and for the first time in his life, he was actually tickled pink. He opened the door to the factory to find Mr. Bob Hatcher steadily at work with a brow full of sweat. Hatcher, what in God's name are you doing here, son? I just, just working... Mr. Miser, just working like always, am I doing something wrong? You're darn straight you're doing something wrong, Hatcher. And by God, I've had enough of it, and I won't stand for it anymore. Bob, it's Christmas. Why in the hell aren't you with your family? Why are you at this stinking factory instead of sitting around your house carving the turkey with them children? I... I don't understand. 
understand, sir. Are you feeling okay? Bob, this is the best I've ever felt in my entire life. And here's something else you might not understand. Your salary doubled. Not only that, starting next week, I want you to take five weeks paid vacation. Somebody's going to need to be with that boy while he rehabs that leg. Because I'm getting him a brace. Sir! Oh, my God, are you serious? Are you being for real right now? I sure am, Bob. I sure am being for real. But you got to make me one promise, all right? Anything, sir. Anything. Make sure that boy don't step in no more damn raccoon traps. Bob Hatcher invited Mr. Miser to his family's Christmas dinner, and for the first time in his life, Atticus was overwhelmed with joy in the company of others. Miss Hatcher even let him carve the turkey. They feasted on the meats and the gravies, the sauces and the sides, and drank to their health and for good fortune in the new year. Despite Mrs. Hatcher's skepticism, Mr. Miser's change of heart was not a flash in the pan. Not only did he come through on his promise to Bob, he raised the wages for every single employee at the factory and in an unprecedented move for the times, provided health insurance and paid vacations, even though no one in Chickalookie ever wanted to go anywhere else. As for little Billy, not only did the brace help his leg grow back properly, but Mr. Miser took him under his wing and was like a grandfather to him. The two were thick as thieves and were nearly inseparable. Little Billy was even the ring bearer at Mr. Miser's wedding to Miss Mary Wilkinson. Atticus left the factory in Bob Hatcher's hands and spent the rest of his days at the library helping Miss Mary sort through all their books and reading to the children every Saturday. When Atticus Miser finally passed away, his funeral was standing room only and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. The End Merry Christmas, y'all. A Chickalookie Christmas Carol was written, performed, edited, and produced by Corey Ryan Forrester. All voices were done by Corey as well, except for Miss Mary Wilkinson. That was Corey's Aunt Lita. I hope y'all have a wonderful Christmas, and thanks to all who make this possible by subscribing to the Substack.